this is Inside the Box. This is Trevor Barrett, and I'm here just on this beautiful November morning with David Blakesley. David, how are you doing? I'm great, Trevor. Feeling really good. The skies are blue out my window, and uh, you know, happy to be back at it with you as we get <laughs> to episode three underway. I will say, it's weird. I genuinely feel like it's a beautiful November morning. Even though there's so much turmoil and um, and stuff going on, I know this is a hard time um, for for many people. Harder than you know than even for for me and mine. I think all of us are being touched by COVID and politics and and work and you know just all kinds of things going on. But I do genuinely mean it when I say it's wonderful to be with you, David. I'm so excited to talk about this box set that we're going to dig into today. So. Um, let me just quickly introduce it, and then we'll, 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 you know, banter a little bit more for just a second. But listeners, today we are going to be talking about Three Fantastic Journeys by Carl Zeman, a set that came out earlier in 2020, you know, in February, kind of before the world really uh, took a turn. Um, and what a wonderful set it is. So, uh, but David, just in general, how are you doing? How, how are you? How are you feeling? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's it's a complicated mix of things. Um, obviously, you know, let's start with the the political uh, tumult of the recent weeks. You know, the election has taken place. Uh, we have a president elect and a current president who's kind of grudgingly resisting. Um, and, you know, <laughs> and others will read even more sinister motives into his course of action so far. I guess we should say we're recording on uh, Saturday, uh, November fourteenth, a week after. Joe Biden was declared the president-elect, according to the, you know, the electoral uh, results from the states, and there was a bit of celebration. And I actually recorded a, a segment of my upcoming Criterion Reflections podcast that afternoon with uh, Robert Taylor and Josh Hornbeck. We talked about um, uh, Holmesdale by Peter Weir, just a kind of a, a compilation episode I'll have coming up fairly soon. So there was a bit of you know uh, celebration and happiness for. Uh, people like myself who voted for Biden and, and uh, that was a great day but it's been a it's been a tough week ever since because of the unusual process that's followed that uh, declaration uh, that that announcement and then you know the covid thing is is definitely um, to me it feels like it's it's the worst yet of, of all the ups and downs we've been through over these past several months I, I have personal acquaintances people I know from my community who've actually passed away or are you know very gravely ill. Um, some of my close family members have had to be tested because of exposures. And uh, at work, we're dealing with COVID. And of course, I, I work in a residential treatment center uh, as an administrator there, and we have clients and staff who've come down with COVID and are you know getting medical treatment for that. Thankfully, nobody's you know had uh, extreme traumatic um, consequences for for that but it's still just a lot of a lot of heaviness a lot of weight uh, you know reality is kind of crashing in that uh, we're in dangerous times and there's a lot of uncertainty a lot of tension uh, so that is surrounding me um, I, at the same time I don't want to let that just overwhelm my entire life and and I do feel there's still goodness beauty truth and, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and joy to be experienced in life and i guess i'll just say you know as as trivially <laughs> trivial as it may sound watching these films has been a very refreshing and uplifting outlet for me in the midst of all of that you know certainly acknowledging 
uh, the, the seriousness of, of many situations, but it is nice to, you know, balance things out with, uh, these exercises of, of imagination and of, of wonder and awe and possibilities and, and really just exquisite craftsmanship that, uh, Carl Zeman and his collaborators, uh, put forth and uh, documented for the ages in which Criterion has beautifully restored and, and presented these films in this exceedingly lovely package. I mean, what a, what a delight it is to just hold this thing and to pop a disc in and just, just enjoy the, the entire experience of, of taking in, you know, what these films convey. Yeah. Thanks David. And, and I feel very much the same way. I mean, we're going to be talking about some, some pretty wonderful things today. And it, it can be tempting to, to let everything overwhelm us and to then feel like this might be even inappropriate <laughs> to have a bit of an escape. Uh, listeners, I think both of us genuinely um, hope that you're doing well whenever and wherever you are when you hear this. Um, and and we, we kind of hope that maybe today we can, uh, you know, not necessarily get away from things, but also focus on some of the beauty that's out there. Some of the, some of this wonderful stuff. This is a, this is a wonderful set. I say the word wonder, and I mean that deliberately. It just conveys a sense of wonder, you know, that kind of youthful sense of possibility, um, of scale and of, of just beautiful art. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's three fantastic journeys. And, uh, so I'm, I am excited to, to go over them today and, um, without necessarily ignoring all that's going on, hope that, hope that it finds you well. And, and one thing I've wondered, David, how, this was a pretty, you know, when this was announced, people were pretty excited about it, but here we are in the midst of a Barnes and Noble cell. Are, are you seeing this get picked up a lot? Are you hearing people talk about it as much now as they did back in February when it came out? You know, I I, I have to admit, I haven't been meticulously tracking the hall post. Oh, you you, don't, you haven't there. been doing the spreadsheet, you know? Well, no, I mean, I, I, I see them and I kind of take a quick scan. Obviously, a lot of the more recent stuff, you know, Parasite, Elephant Man, etc., the, the World Cinema Project, Volume 3, those seem to be kind of prominent. They're, they're, they're recent releases, but, you know, there is that, subset if you will of the criterion collectors who are maybe still building their collection or they're far from completion and so you know if I, it probably would be an interesting little experiment for me to to take some time and just sort of see what are some of the back catalog issues uh, releases that are uh you know being picked up but you're right i i don't have any recollection whatsoever of seeing this particular set uh which you know the criterion barnes and noble sale is is a great time for box set acquisitions you know you, you get really nice packages at uh you know cut rate uh, prices uh, that's the time to go big on that type of thing so i i hope it's it's there maybe maybe this was picked up in the criterion flash sale mm, or yeah. earlier mm. sales from uh you know the spring or, or early summer so you know there have been other opportunities to get this box uh, that maybe the people who are most eager to get it um have already you know, made that purchase that could be, uh, and if not, you know, I would I would encourage it. There's been a lot of box set uh, activity this year from Criterion, and some of them Indeed. are more expensive or you know bigger. And so I get it if the, that's where the priorities lie. Uh, but if anybody's on the fence and and just isn't sure, you know, hopefully we can encourage you to to go pick it up. This is this is a a great one. Um, 
it, it's it, also a limited edition, you know, supposedly. Oh, I don't know how limited it is. True. But that's the, true. Uh, the Blu-ray sticker says limited edition. It's got pop-up as <laughs> the big <laughs> bold, bold font there. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, because the, the packaging is definitely a part, and, and maybe we can, t- you know, touch on that a little well, bit towards well, the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, I even think maybe this is a good one to touch on at the beginning. It's like sure. we're opening a present, you know? <laughs> it really is, yeah. Yeah, it's got the die cut there. So there's like a little, uh, you know, peek through uh, insert there when you slide the inner slip case uh, you know, or inner, you know, f- folder out of the slip case. Um, and then when you open it up, it's a three-dimensional phantasmagoria <laughs> popping up in your face, literally, you know. So, uh, yeah, the, with, with little fold-outs of, of dinosaurs and balloons and uh, what's, what's the third one? Is it the cannonball, the spaceship? Let me open it up here a second. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's the cannonball, right. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are iconic moments from each of the three films. Uh, the the printed insert is kind of an old kind of broadsheet flyer, kind of a bit of a, a newspaper type of a printout, you know, kind of a fold out here with uh, with again these beautiful engravings, this this uh, you know splendid little art pieces, um, you know, quotes from the film, and and a fantastic essay. I really appreciate Michael Atkinson's placing carol zeman in context because uh, you know he 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 connects him to like george millier you know the very you know one of the very founders of of cinema especially from the uh, both phantasmic and and illustrative aspects you know animation and things of that sort but also you know even figures like walt disney and 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 uh and some of his uh, successors um that you know, Jan Svankmeyer and, and many others are, are sort of name checked in the essay. Uh, Carl Zeman was actually not a very familiar figure to me. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen any of these films before. Uh, the announcement. I, I actually, no, I, I guess I'd seen the Baron Munchausen because it was featured somewhat prominently on the Criterion Channel, and I thought, wow, that's that's pretty uh, wonderful. And of course, I was pretty familiar with Terry Gilliam's later film that uh, Gilliam himself admits mm-hmm. to stealing a fair amount <laughs> from this. Uh, yeah, the, the cannonball flight for, for starters. Um, but, and, just, and just that style. I mean, that certainly made many connections at, at first glance between uh, Zeman's work here and Terry Gilliam's work for Monty Python's Flying Circus. And so, yeah, I, I def- it's a very linear you know, point A to point B right there. Uh, Terry Gilliam being, uh, you know, younger than than Zeman and you know coming of age when Zeman's films were somewhat in distribution I could sort of see the influences uh, very obviously but uh, yeah you know getting the, this full package which is still not everything that that Zeman did especially in terms of feature films but I think these are considered to be his kind of highlights or or his most fully realized works St- certainly makes me want to see more of his stuff you know? yeah well I, and and this seems to be the the first three films, kind of when he was really ramping up, mm-hmm. and then it seems mm-hmm. I remember I, I looked it up earlier, but uh, <laughs> I feel like there were three ma- more, maybe. Um, yeah, after yeah, this. later in the sixties, mm-hmm. um, that that kind of you know butted up against the you know um, the invasion of, of Prague and you know the kind of crackdown in, in sixty eight kind of you know not immediately didn't bring his career to a halt. I think there was one more film primarily that he did after that and then he did you know and that by that time he was also older and so he was you know at, in the 70s relegated mostly just to doing 
you know, the kind of stop motion uh, tabletop animation with, with puppets and figurines that he kind of started with. So you get a sense of a pretty interesting career arc for this guy. He, he was very much self-taught. I think his, his kind of initiation into the world of cinema was that he had gotten a hold of a old Felix the Cat, uh, you know, probably a 16 or maybe even an 8 millimeter reel, and uh, was just, you know, got his micro or magnifying glass out and uh, started analyzing how animation works, how you slightly change each drawing, put them in sequence, you know, put them on film, and all of a sudden you've got motion up on, up on the screen. And uh, that that little germ of a, of an idea of an, an interest just kind of launched him into this career, and it's just such a remarkable thing to think about this this obscure guy in central you know Eastern Europe uh, in Czechoslovakia uh, under kind of a Soviet influenced socialist communist regime, having to work within those strictures, and we've talked about that in many other conversations we've had. But mm-hmm. uh, out, out of out of this fairly unfertile ground well I, I won't say unfertile in terms of the culture but certainly in, the, in terms of the governmental oversight and all of that um amazing things happened and and uh you know you have this wonderful flowering of, of animation illustration uh, blended with live action unique special effects and these really kind of archetypal mythic stories that he's telling it's just <laughs> it's just so nice that this <laughs> kind of a thing even exists right yeah, and you can tell that animation just seems to suit him because of the stories he wants to tell as well. I mean, here's someone who clearly loves Jules Verne um, and and loves that kind of uh, exploration, loves these old myths and old stories and and the blown out sense of of, of scale <laughs> that they that they that they inspire. And I think it's it, you know it, as we're talking about how he started his career, uh, Zeman wasn't someone who grew up in film or seemed to have a lot of uh, of roads to get to where he could he could make films uh he he when when he was um, a young man in his 20s he worked in advertising and probably could have stayed there you know for the rest of his life making money you know doing doing what you should do which is you know reasonable and you know a pathway that i go i've never made a movie <laughs> or or done anything <laughs> right. that would require me to 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 maybe uh put that much time and effort into an artistic pursuit um but you know here he is in advertising and he gets a chance to make a, an ad for soap and is you know i think because of what you said his his interest in animation that came purely from his own uh poking around decided to use animation for this ad for soap. I don't know if we know what that ad is. I have you know it's not it's not a curiosity included in the box set unless it's a, a you know an easter egg I couldn't find. Um yeah. or and so I don't know what that looked like. But clearly it it just uh, linked up and he you know was talented and had the desire to explore it, you know, had the had the gift and also the um, the passion uh, to to really dig into it, and it just seems like it's something that was meant to be. Because within within ten years, he is making he he's working at an animation studio uh, where he gets a chance to to make some short films, which are included on the set, and which we should talk about, um, and then these feature films that we'll talk about today too. 
and, and definitely influential. Uh, you know, as, as you mentioned in that essay, we get a lot of people name checking him, <laughs> saying that he's why. But it, it's hard to under it's hard to um, to imagine something like a, a Terry Gilliam, regardless of the fact that Terry Gilliam, you know, did the Baron, Baron Munchausen movie of his own. But even you know his stuff in the in the sixties with Monty Python and you know going through the seventies, it's it's hard to to look at that and say this didn't come from Carl Zeman, knowing that he he had been watching him. You know, it's hard to hard for me to to see that those things would have would have come about his his unique animation style, which you know when you watch these films, it's like oh that's where he got it, and it's wonderful. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, did you have a chance then? I'm assuming you did. Uh, if not, I guess I'll edit this out and um, not make it so embarrassing. But did you have a chance to watch the, the short films that um, oh, yeah, kind of started his career? Um, I mean, I do feel like an obligation if I'm going to do a episode on this series. I've got to watch everything in the set. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe not multiple times. Maybe not to the point of memorization or you know, casually, you know. You know, dropping every reference and, and minutia there. But yeah, I, I watched all the short films as well as the museum clips and all of that stuff. Well, I think the short films are magical. Oh, they're they're delightful. Absolutely. We, we've got animation that I'm very familiar with. You know, a kid in the 80s, we had a satellite dish. I watched Disney Channel all the time. So I'm very familiar with the animation from that. And I watched Looney Tunes. And, you know, I... I, I I know that during this time in the 30s and 40s, is a rich time of animation in in America. These are so unique and so fun to watch. Uh, the, these three um, short films that are included on here. Uh, so the the beginning, the first one that that he made was in 1945, and it's called A Christmas Dream. And you know, Zeman isn't doing cartoons. He's not animating with cell animation or anything like that in these. Um, he's doing a lot of stop motion and, and and techniques with that. And in this one, he is animating for, for a Christmas special or for a Christmas um, setting, uh, a little girl's doll that, that comes to life. And um, I, it, it's so creative. I mean, I could, I could do that, uh, you know, slipshod and, and make a doll walk across a room. It'll be choppy and, and ugly and it wouldn't really work. But it isn't just that he, he's animating a doll. It's all the situations he puts the doll in. It's all the creative ways that he makes effects with more stop animation. Uh, what, what did you think of this one? Oh, well, again, it's it's, just, it's wondrous. And, and think about this. 1945. 1945 in Czechoslovakia. I mean, what in the world is going on there? This is like the, you know, the cataclysmic end of World War II. You know, the country's, you know, in occupation. Uh, you know, we we talked about the heaviness of our own times. Good grief! <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty um, powerful and and epochal uh, transition that that country is going through. And here comes out of out of the rubble of of this cataclysmic war, this beautiful little you know Christmas treat. You know about this charming little girl and her interactions with this doll that magically comes to life and and it is i it you know i've got a two-year-old granddaughter um and uh we babysit her every week and we've been watching fantasia with her and she's you know getting into a bit of responsiveness to this type of media and i'm really looking forward to sharing this little 
vignette with her, uh, you know, maybe even as soon as this coming Christmas. But it's just, it's a beautiful little piece. It, it captures that, again, that sense of childhood innocence and and the imagination starting to, you know, uh, liberate and express itself. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a splendid little piece of work and, and uh, a, a, it's a gem, you know. It's certainly kind of buried in the supplements there, but it is absolutely worth you know, pulling out the disc and playing it just on its own merits, and then that so that can be said for the other uh, short, uh, you know, short films that Zeman uh, created that are on these discs as well. Yeah, and maybe just a, a really quick. We won't spend a ton of time on these, but th- there there are four. I think I said three earlier, and that's because the third or the fourth one is is quite a bit longer. Um, but they do sample a character that Zeman created and would animate. Um, and right now it's slipping my mind what the character's name is because it's As not... like Mr. Procook or something Pro-Cook, like that. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, probably just that, David. I won't. I won't say that you're you're not on. You're spot on. He's he's <laughs> kind of like a, a Mr. Magoo. Yeah. Uh, if, for people who get that reference, you know, <laughs> just kind of this <laughs> kind of everyman character who's always kind of coming up against some sort of a problem. Uh, you know, he's kind of thwarted. You know, throughout the course of the film, uh, short as it may be, and then. He and it's sol- political. He solves the know? problem. Yeah, there's a little bit of a political thing. There's a bit of a kind of a working class everyman who's up against the you know the resistance or the odds, or you know the, that are stacked against him, and uh, and he ingeniously discovers a way to get the job done. And and so there is there is kind of a social commentary being delivered, even though you can just take it for laughs and, and amusement mm-hmm. on its on its own terms. And that character, uh, you know, again, we only get one of those shorts, but apparently there's there are quite a few. It was a popular character that he continued to work with. Um, I'll, I'll say that the last one is King Lav- Lavra from 1950, and that's the longer one. But I don't, I, I want to spend maybe just a, a touch longer on his 1949 short, Inspiration. Yeah, that's um, the one that stuck with me as well. Mm-hmm. This one is pretty special. And it's the result of a challenge or a bet <laughs> that Zeman took on. You know, here he is now five years or so into his animation career and doing a lot of wonderful work and making people, you know, marvel at what he can do with stop motion and various puppets. You know, he's worked with a doll and a wood figurine and various things like that. And one of his, his friends or, you know, challengers or whoever uh, said, I bet you can't make one of these using glass. And Zeman does. And it, it is, again, it's it's both sides of this issue. The, the, the technical ability that he uh, he exhibits here in inspiration is fantastic. But he's also doing such a delicate story. I mean, it's it is it's kind of like Fantasia, you know. You have this these mm-hmm. these oh, yeah. these emotional this really beautiful short emotional ride that's um you know with these characters that aren't real by any stretch of the imagination that you really feel for because <laughs> you can tell that they're they're feeling you know there's that illusion that these things have a heart and a soul and and he does it using glass and making ballerinas it's very delicate he's not using like a, a 
you know, a block of glass or something like that. I mean, these are beautiful, delicate figurines that he is he has created and and is using here. What and you kind of said this one stuck out to you too, David. I'll let you I'll yeah. let you go for a second. Well, just yeah, that that sense of of, of liberating motion. You know, there, there's a, kind of this this ice skating thing, which yeah, again, there's a very strong parallel to Fantasia, and I don't know if you know. Fantasia influenced his work here, uh, but the fact that this is being done with a physical media, that this you know very delicate and and um, you know fragile uh, you know substance glass is being manipulated, uh, in 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 moving in such an organic form, and also to to convey that sense of of, of you know, soaring through space, you know, gliding across the surface of the ice, spinning and twirling and, and, uh, you know, the lighting effects and just that sense of, of, of motion and, and freedom and expansiveness is, is absolutely amazing. I mean, again, you know, there, there are some aspects where it's a little, um, not, not primitive, but you know, you, you can, you can, you know, there's a little choppiness here and there, but, the the accomplishment of this short film is is really quite remarkable, and uh, the, you know the fact that these are physical objects being filmed. There's no digital manipulation. There's no. I mean, this is this is real world stuff that's being moved around, and and uh, crafted and 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 really sculpting uh, in light and 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 in the the, the physical form. Uh, to to just create this this very joyous impression, I, I, it is. It's a you know, inspiration is a perfect title for the film. Yeah, I, I agree, and it um, it it might be my favorite thing on the box set. You know, I I, I really do <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the three feature films, and we'll get into them and spend you know our time looking at them a, a little more. But this particular little gem uh, might be, you know, the the best the best thing that he really that he does doesn't maybe necessarily because of the sense of scale i mean we're going to be talking about the, these three films that you know really deal with the expanse of history or you know technological pursuits i mean these are big big ideas and and f big fun uh and that's not this one this one's much more intimate um but very uh very special because of that i think but anyway, so there's there's Zeman early on. You know, here here he is uh, making these short films, releasing them, getting some some uh, acclaim. You know, making a name for himself, uh, at least where where he's at in Czechoslovakia. Um, but let's uh, let's look at his features then. Um, it it was about ten years after he started animating at the studio that he made his first feature film. And this is Journey to the Beginning of Time from 1955. Uh, clearly inspired uh, by Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, you know, the titles there and, uh, you know, quite a bit of the film it, it kind of takes that that approach to to it, its structure, to the storytelling. Uh, but it's its own it's its own thing. You know, this is this one has um, a group of boys who discover a trilobite uh, fossil and they think huh you know this is some old creature that you know lived uh, lived a long long time ago let's you know take our boat and go into this cave and journey backwards so that we can see the uh, live trilobite i mean that's the kind of basis for it but what we get 
is a film where you know they start out going backwards they get to the ice age they, they get to the dinosaurs they get to the primordial swamp <laughs> you know things growing on the land <laughs> yeah. until they yeah. get to a barren rocky shore and find a, a trilobite um so you know we, a living trilobite a they, living trilobite yeah, right yeah, right right and you know david and i talked about this beforehand we're probably not going to go into these stories in depth because you know these are so much more about the fun and and they do have fun stories um but this one in particular you know it it's it reminded me of an episode of the wonderful world of disney you know mm-hmm. nothing nothing that's uh, remarkable in terms of storytelling or character you get to know these boys a little bit um but there's other stuff going on but what what's kind of your first uh, impression of this one yeah, it's kind of like uh, the Czechoslovakian Boy Scout Patrol <laughs> kind yeah, of out yeah. there uh, <laughs> on, a, on a little bit of an adventure. I mean, it really is, you know, uh, whether you want to think about, you know, Huck Finn or, or whatever, you know, the idea of four boys set out in a boat, you know, paddling downstream and, and have themselves an adventure. And, of course, the, this one, you know, ramps up the scale and, and uh, kind of it's it's a flight of fancy that somehow – uh, after their curiosity has been stoked by this this old ancient fossil, uh, they do a little bit of research, learn a little bit about dinosaurs, and that's kind of you know fuels the imagination. They they find this mysterious cave, they paddle their way through, and then voila, they're, <laughs> they, there they go, just like a, they planned, <laughs> a time machine. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like this portal to this uh, hidden dimension. And it, you know, it, and I think this this is kind of the, a unifying theme, not only of the three features, but all these of just the the child, you know, the childhood imagination of of exploring the possibilities, and the amazing mysteries and wonders that are sort of embedded in this world that we all inhabit. Uh, you know, children are discovering this this rich, you know, multi textured infinitely complex world um, for the first time we as adults tend to lose sight of that as we get involved in our various careers and affairs and the familiarity of it all sort of settles in and and to a certain extent numbs us to sort of take it all for granted Uh, these films have the effect of you know capturing or or uh, refocusing us on that sense of discovery that uh, you know kind of wears off over the course of of a life, and and Zeman himself seems to have a very strong um, connection to to that phase of of our lives of, of childhood of of seeing things that have never been seen before and just contemplating how vast and, and mysterious um, the world really is. And, and in this one, you know, it's, it's about the, the origins of life and the various forms that life has taken in terms of its, you know, expression in the animal kingdom. And, and over the course of, you know, vast eons of time, as, as we recognize that, you know, even as old as human history goes back when we think about you know the pyramids or the you know the the ancient world uh there's so much that occurred well before humans ever 
opened their eyes and became aware of their existence in this world. And so it is. I mean, I, I certainly remember my own childhood and, and having a world book encyclopedias and other <laughs> books that had, you know, dinosaurs and, and and these amazing creatures that don't exist anymore but once did and they were huge and they're monstrous and they're ferocious and they're scary but also kind of exciting um this is an attempt to you know bring those creatures to to life to in into you know moving and 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 you know gesturing and 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 doing the things that living animals do you know um because all we would otherwise have is you know the illustrations or the bones themselves and the a recreation of what they might have looked like um i i understand that this is the first time obviously we're we're familiar with dinosaurs from like king kong and other early stop motion but this is the first time that dinosaurs were apparently depicted in color uh, as as three dimensional you know oh, moving moving know creatures on screen yeah that, that's somewhere in the notes I think I read that so that's that's remarkable just as a sort of a, a historic <laughs> novelty if you will uh, of course we've all grown up uh, with Jurassic Park and all of its spin offs and many other you know recreations of of not only you know ancient extinct animals but you know all kinds of mythological creatures uh that are you know purely figments of the imagination but still conveyed very vividly you know rendered it with with incredible realistic detail so this is definitely going to come across as as pretty you know pretty simple pretty basic uh, even kind of crude but you know, even so, quite delightful just because of this uh, kind of excursion uh, framework that that we're ushered into, and uh, you know, and, and the little kind of typical squabbles and and uh, rivalries that you might ex- you know you might experience if you're a pack of young <laughs> mild, boys of that sort. Mild, points, yes, mild, yeah, points. exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's 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 definitely this is this is family entertainment in the best sense. And again, coming from behind the Iron Curtain, it's just remarkable. Uh, but of course, you know, these are communities, families, kids that have the same interests and curiosities that, that uh, children have in the, in the West. Yeah. Well, and, and I like how this story begins. It, it's, it's, it, there's a scribe appointed uh, out of this group to kind of document their journey. And when it begins, it's him compiling his book. You know, making this this thing for the future that talks about their their past and and this this journey that they make down this river of time backwards, and um, I also really like that the packaging, you know, the box set. When you open it up, you do see on on your left this really you know pretty nicely done. Uh, uh, I don't know what do you want to call it. It's not a poster, but you know, card for Journey to the Beginning of Time with the boys on the boat and the dinosaurs out on the edge uh, watching them and wondering what's going on. And then on the right panel, there is a picture of Zeman um, with his with his submarine that we'll get to here in a bit. <laughs> and he's, there's a quote that says, I have only one wish, to delight the eyes and heart of every child. And, you know, again, you, you've said it perfectly. This is a film about that that stage of awakening. Um, where this possibility just opens up, and and I'm I'm a father of four boys. My my oldest. Is <laughs> I thought 13. of you yeah. and your little pack <laughs> watching this, right? Right. Yeah, my my oldest is thirteen, and my youngest is five, and their sense of possibility, their sense of discovery and joy, uh, what is out there, 
my my uh, nine-year-old is fascinated with space and knows more about it than I ever did, you know, do now even. You know, he, he well, just there's a lot and, more known than, than when you were there. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but he just, he, he can sit there and, and go through, and plus he's got YouTube, right? I mean, he can watch a oh, thousand yeah. videos about, you know, this one star and really, <laughs> really dig in. <laughs> um, but But they love it. And I love that for them, everything is so open. You know, and this story uh, kind of shows that, and and this this the sense of um, of peaceful acceptance of of where we've come from and of appreciating it. You know, there's there's no real message to this film about how to approach it, but I think the approach itself is just one of of awe and uh, of that you know that sense when you sit down and start reading an encyclopedia and go holy cow look at this 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 starts to line up <laughs> you know mm-hmm. this is big <laughs> and i'm and i'm a little part of it yeah. but i yeah. but my mind can go there you know my mind can make these journeys and um yeah i, I love this film for that purpose now it, it the story again is very simple i mean you, you kind of if you don't feel that way uh, if if this doesn't strike that chord with you then you know, uh, this is probably not that exciting of a film. I mean, it's it's the color scheme is you know again it it feels like an old TV episode of Wonderful World of Disney. It's very muted, uh, you know, browns and greens and things like that. Um, the effects are are fun, but they feel like you're kind of walking around in a museum. You know, the dinosaurs are in the foreground, and there's the the boat in the background, and every once in a while they get close. And but you know, to me, it felt more like a museum with dinosaurs moving. You know, this isn't Jurassic Park. Yeah, those dioramas. <laughs> you know, where everything's kind of sitting there, and and you sort of appreciate the craftsmanship of how these yeah. creatures were put together, and it's kind of fun to see them moving and running around and. You get a dinosaur battle, and you get you know, <laughs> woolly mammoths, slimy things. Yeah, woolly mammoths, all of that. And and there's the the ingenuity of the trick shots. You know, you can see. Yeah, that's where this really is and, fun. And mm-hmm. you know, all the kind of different you know layers and <clears throat> you know backdrops and all of that type of thing. And and, and Zeman will take that into you know the next level and beyond in the, in the following two films but you, you just you just really recognize uh, craftsmanship of a of a very high caliber here uh, working with you know somewhat um limited resources uh but doing the best he can and i think it's all very impressive but but you're right if you're looking to get get kind of a rigorous cinematic experience uh you know you know grappling with you know deep and profound ideas uh you know th- th- this can push your imagination in that direction but the, but the presentation is is pretty you know pretty simple pretty pretty kind of not lowest common denominator in a, in a negative way but it, it's not really trying to uh you know blow your mind with any you know specifically deep concepts or or you know challenging uh barrier shattering propositions (laughs) yeah yep just a just an expansion of the mind not blowing it up but just uh, (laughs) reminding you of that time when when things did that and and it's it's it it is fun i i really i really did like this film i knew though going into it because you know i'd also seen the the uh the baron munchausen film on filmstruck um, I knew that we were going somewhere else <laughs> in this. Uh, yeah, yeah, that the yeah. journey to the beginning of time is is the beginning of a journey in and of itself. You know, of these feature films, um, and then we get to 
some of the just major heavy hitters, just the works of world-class animation and cinema. Um, and, and so let's maybe move on, if you're ready, sure. to yep, it, yep. 1958's Invention for Destruction. Uh, do you want to kind of introduce this one to us? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is definitely the most direct um, lift from Jules Verne. Uh, it's based on a story which the name of it escapes me, but uh, Verne did not come up with that title, Invention for Destruction. But it's it's basically um, presented as as a bit of a, a, a prophecy or a foretelling of uh, the, the dawn of the atomic age, of, uh, of a scientist who uh, has this very principled but somewhat evasive commitment to you know pure exploration of how chemicals interact with each other you know when when you put different compounds in close proximity what happens and uh, in the process of his experiments he comes up with this uh, very powerful explosive and uh, that that is discovered and understood by uh, an unscrupulous group of men who have uh, you know developed submarine technology and are putting uh, that that technology to to very sinister use so you you have kind of the the standard tropes of a you know kind of a uh, not a mad scientist but a, a man of of great learning and education who's being um, kind of kidnapped and his his discoveries are being employed to sinister ends by by this group of rogues who are trying to you know achieve world domination through the the power and advantage uh, you know that they're afforded by exclusive control over this new uh, potentially devastating you know uh, weaponry and this this technology of of powerful explosives beyond what. Uh, any of their rivals might be able to to mount, and so there's a there's a bit of an adventure going on here as a, as a young man kind of gets caught up in this plot. He is kind of a, a creature of circumstance. He happens to be with that scientist on the evening when the uh, the men in the submarine send their you know group of uh, of hoodlums to to kidnap the scientist and to you know kind of purloin his 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 equipment and and his technology to their own purposes so he gets dragged in um one of the early pirate adventures involves uh sinking of a passenger ship and and uh, purloining all of the treasure uh that's that's uh stored in 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 in, in stowage on that ship and in the, along the way they they discover a young woman who's been shipwrecked they bring her aboard because they they kind of have to because they're still trying to convince the scientists that they're, you know, good men and, and reputable and, and and sincere. And so they have to rescue this girl. And so you've got a little bit of a, an adventure love interest thing going on here. Uh, but it really just becomes kind of a process of how does the uh, valiant young hero thwart the, you know, evil plans of these wicked men and, um, you know, rescue humanity from a fate that uh, they didn't even know was ready to to, to you know, ensnare them in its clutches. So that that's kind of my quick snapshot view of the plot. <laughs> it's it's very it's very methodical and and everything just falls into place and it's quite a brilliant little construction. Uh, very it's much like in a the Saturday manner. morning cereal, you know. Oh, this week we're going to be right. in this nice big old, uh, you know, <laughs> mansion of a scientist, and he's going to yeah. be kidnapped. Next week, you know, we're going to be on a ship, and the next week on a submarine, and then we're going to be in the mountains. 
mountain lair, and <laughs> it's so much. Oh yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. You you could break this up into like fifteen minute short subjects and make uh-huh. a little serial out of it because there's there's plenty of little cliffhangers and suspense moments. But that's that's the story. That's the narrative. It's it's really and how it's told and the, yeah, the visuals yeah. that are the the true uh, you know awe and wonder of it all because it it has this very kind of lithographic engraving etching type of quality it is beautiful Uh, it's so fun it is it's a magnificent i mean it's probably on an aesthetic level even though baron munchausen has phenomenal sights and everything and and colors and, and all that this is this is strictly black and white monochrome but the the incredible beauty and and um structure and the faithfulness to the period detail is absolutely astonishing mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I i could watch this at any given moment uh and and just take full delight in in just the the visual splendor of it all well and i think the visual splendor of this one is probably pro- I, I think you kind of either alluded to this or maybe maybe said it even more directly this is this is the height for me too um on a on a frame by frame basis the detail of these these ships and these flying machines or these underground bi- or, or sorry underwater bicycles submarines <laughs> and the yeah, sounds and, that the, and the fish and the, uh-huh. and the aquatic life and and yeah all it, of it yeah. it when when i got the disc they they eat the the um the the discs have kind of previews for each of the films and you know my kids were like oh journey to the beginning of time that looks interesting Oh, the fabulous Baron Munchausen, more intrigued. But Invention for Destruction is the one that each of them just sat down and watched the the <laughs> little trailer and right. thought, "Yeah, I want to, I want to watch that." And and it's yeah. it's got a great sense of scale. Um, the lithographic art is is so detailed that you can sit there and, and focus. Uh, it's like it, it, to me, it was kind of yeah, it was a little hyperbolic, but it, it's a little bit like Tati, you know, Jacques Tati. There's a oh, yeah. lot of detail in every frame. Um, of these, you know, big settings that the the characters are, are are on on a part of it, but you can sit there and really focus on just the the way that they do the the art or the perspective to get it to look three D when really you're looking at you know panels of of cardboard you know set up for uh, to to look like lithographic um, etchings and 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 drawings. Um, but it's all for such fun effect. There's a there's a joyous creativity here that I think is really you know it's not the only part, but is really kind of highlighted by the silly underwater bicycles <laughs> you know, <laughs> that they're sitting there pedaling, and, yeah. and you can hear them ringing their or honking their bike horns underwater. It's it's a lark. It's just meant to be fun and to do something unexpected while telling this story that's just meant to pull you along and and still say something you know that that is is topical you know invention for destruction here where are we going as as mankind you know what we we've got some amazing scientists and some amazing capabilities what happens when they fall into the into the wrong hands of pirates you know (laughs) (laughs) and so it's it's just it's fun i i loved this one i i this 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 completely won me over. I watched this one before I watched Inspiration. Um, but this was the one where I thought, man, this guy's not a one-off. This isn't the fabulous Baron Munchausen and Curiosities set. This is this is someone who really, really did some phenomenal work. So, I, I don't know. I, I, 
I'm running out of things to say on it because oh, it just well, seems like something you have to sit down and and just let uh, overwhelm you with its with its joy and and technique. I, I will say this though, be, beyond the movies themselves, the the box set comes with um, a, several kind of how did he do that yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, segments and supplements. Yeah. Those are just to me just as wondrous as as the films themselves and what the films are exploring because. You know, these are films interested in science. These are films interested in in that kind of um, uh, detail, and they're made with that kind of uh, attention to detail and that kind of uh, uh, scientific, you know, ingenuity. Well, yeah, the 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 you know the the construction of objects and the way that these images are formed. You know, the first watch or even couple are so dazzling that you're just kind of blown away and swept up and and you're just kind of visually impressed by the eccentricity of it all and and the you know again the craftsmanship the detail the novelty of seeing this thing that you you've never quite seen anything quite like it um but then you know once you've really acquainted yourself with the story and and the different you know turns of events and even the scenes themselves then you can start analyzing how did they do this like because you've got live action of, of actors in, in full period costumes of all different sorts. Um, you've got the the motion and you've got the kind of static backgrounds of, of trains and, and uh, you know, these Rococo sets and all of the you know Baroque details, all the filigrees and all of the little quaintness of, of objects at, at all different planes on, on the screen. And, and all of this stuff is happening all at once. So you've got you know, you've got still motion, you've got animated uh, objects moving that are clearly drawn, illustrated in some sense. And then you've got people interacting and moving through all these sets. Like, how do you get all of that stuff on film and, and have it look as, as seamless and as refined as it does? Because this, you know, unlike Journey to the Beginning of Time, where sometimes the, you know, the, the crudeness kind of is, is hard to hard to avoid uh here it, it just feels immaculate like there were like no mistakes made <laughs> even, in the construction of this film right e- even though there are parts where someone might be like flying or, or or you can tell that the live action characters that you're seeing on the boat here in the next scene where they're farther away they're drawn they're puppets or they're drawn right right yeah yeah the artifice is is always there and that's part of the point i think is exactly is what i'm it's, getting it's, at like yeah, it, yeah. this one isn't trying to be seamless in a way that makes the the illusion go go through it's seamless in a way that makes you always appreciate the the techniques and the creativity that's going into the final product Right, and and the vast range of skills. He's not just a guy who knows how to draw animation. He's not just a guy who does trick photography. There are so many different types of illusion being practiced here. Sometimes multiple illusions in the same exact shot or or sequence, you know. And then when (laughs) they switch back and well, right, right. That's the thing. He's he's kind of a a a master of his art, and he's he's kind of reveling in his ability to you know to tell the story with a flourish with a panache that says yeah check this out you know uh here's another thing that you haven't seen or imagined before isn't it wonderful so yeah i i really enjoyed that aspect of it of just kind of the you know know, analysis even if it's not something i can put into a lot of words right here and now uh but just 
taking in each scene and and thinking about wow how did they put that together or what a nice piece of work that is <laughs> you know because you know the the story itself I'm I'm now I'm pretty immersed I probably watched the film four times um, and you know thoroughly enjoy it every single time I put it on and and think back on it so yeah there's there's just a lot of really funny scenes and and even the wit and the humor you know um, <laughs> where you've just got this kind of absurdity going on. Um, yeah, even even like the cataclysmic final scene when the, that big uh, shell is rolling down the hill and and the bad guys recognize that it's about to blow up and the guy just spits right before everything blows up. It's just like <laughs> that that kind of bitterness of futility. It's like, ah, damn it, <laughs> we just our our plot was foiled and that's that. You know, it's just it's just quite and, and you know and the hat that's kind of tumbling into the sky uh, as kind of the the final shot you know eventually fluttering and landing in the ocean while the balloon kind of sails off into this glorious eternal sunset behind the clouds it's just it's just so magnificent and uh you know it, it's it truly takes the heart of a poet to to you know put those scenes together in the sequence that they are because it, it conveys much more than just the end of the adventure. There's something almost kind of cosmic going on here. And I just, I love Zeman's work uh, just for the suggest suggestivity of, um, of what he's getting at here. This is a, this is a rollicking uh, adventure story uh, that can be, you know, enjoyed by children from eight to 80, you know, or beyond. Um, but, you know, there is, there is a deeper theme going on here. He's not, you know, he's not being, you know, um, self-important or, or exaggeratedly profound here, but you know, there, there's depth there, there's truth happening, uh, in the midst of this, uh, diverting entertainment. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, should we move on to the final film in the set? Sure. Uh, this, yes. The wonderful Baron Munchausen. What, what is the exact title of there? I'm a this is the fantastic, the fabulous, the fabulous. Oh, geez, fabulous. there I am. The, the fabulous Baron <laughs> Munchausen. Um, and this is from nineteen, Which is different because, right, the, the Czech title is Baron Pilser or something like that. So they never actually say the word Munchausen, but apparently it's, this is the same character that has been, you know, maybe translated as Munchausen or maybe that's the original and the Czech has a slight variation on that. But yeah, I, I didn't look into the reason for the difference, but I saw that. I mean, clearly... Clearly, this is still Munchausen, you know, and the many, many, many people have taken this story and fiddled with it because here you've got this uh, character from time, you know, fighting in the, the, the Ottoman Empire, Turkey, you know, and, and then having these adventures in the, at the, on the moon and, and all of that. I mean, we're, we're dealing with this character um, and Zeman isn't the only one who's who's done this in order to to not just adapt the Munchausen story, but also take it a little bit further, you know, play with it more. Um, this this particular rendition of Munchausen begins on the moon, and Munchausen isn't even the central character of, of the story, or uh, and particularly at the beginning. Uh, what happens is, and we'll get into the beautiful art that, that um, takes us there here in a minute, but we have a, an astronaut landing on the moon and wandering, you know, walking, in his space suit, and he comes upon a, a, a wrecked uh, rocket, and lo and behold, it's uh, it's from Jules Verne. <laughs> you know, here's Jules Verne again uh, in the film, and it's the it's it's the 
the the rocket that uh, in in Vern's uh, journey to the moon uh, story. I can't think of the real name of that. I should have written this stuff down, David. We're both uh, we're both yeah, yeah. Uh, letting listeners down if they wanted that kind of detail. Um, but it's Vern's uh, uh, moon, you know, from the Earth to the Moon, right? From the Earth to the Moon. That's yeah, yes, right, right. yes. There's too many journeys and invention and, and <laughs> yeah. But um, from the Earth to the Moon, and the rocket actually says that on it, and. You know, he wanders a little bit further, and there's an old uh, Victrola record player playing some some music. It turns on and, and plays some music for him, and he stumbles upon a dinner party of these these men, these uh, you know Jules Verne type men who came on that rocket, and uh, who should show up? But but the you know the fabulous Baron Munchausen, uh, and it's kind of fun. And because, Cyrano de Bergerac, another yeah kind of eccentric aristocrat from the, that era that's right? true yeah yeah it's, it's a it's a it's a hodgepodge and and a lot more i would say reference based i mean um you know invention from Destru- for destruction you can watch this at any time of life and you'll 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 cotton on you'll know what's going on in this one there's a lot more of these sly little uh little details that uh, that pay off if you if you've looked under the surface and know know about these characters a little bit more, uh, not to say it's not still a lot of fun just on its surface. Uh, if you haven't ever ever met these characters or uh, you know have any familiarity with them, but there's there's the Moon Man. They call him the Moon Man. They actually think that he's from the Moon, um, and the, the fabulous Baron Munchausen, you know, graciously decides, hey. I will take you and show you the earth. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that little inversion there, you know, like, oh, moon man, you know, who's actually not the moon man. Um, Let me take you back to earth and show you a marvelous land. And and that's what he does. But he's also kind of taking him back in time because the the moon man is a, you know, apparently a a somewhat futuristic figure. I mean, this is 1962, so we're just starting to get satellites in orbit and a couple orbits around the Earth and then come back down as far as the space program. But here we are already launching rockets that get us all the way to the moon. And yet when when, uh, Munchausen takes his, his friend back... It seems to be back to like around the seventeen hundreds or something like that. So again, never explained, <laughs> ne- never quite uh, pointed out. Even it's just well, we're back in uh, Istanbul and we're in the Sultan's palace, and it's all about cannonballs and sailing ships, you know, big schooners or whatever, crossing the ocean, and and so it's all back yeah. to this low tech Munchausen era. But hey, you just you're just along for the ride. That back in the days when, in order to fly, you had to get a bunch of birds to carry your ship. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, th- those those yeah. were tough times. <laughs> yeah, winged yeah. horses and all that. Right? Yeah, he definitely takes him back to Munchausen time period, and and the 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 story in Turkey's uh, you know a big part of Munchausen lore. Um, but I, you know, I actually hadn't ever really thought about that. I mean, you're right that the. the the spaceman shows up in his, you know, astronaut suit with, you know, the, the the glass shield on his face and all of that and stumbles upon that Victrola first off. And, and so I, I'd never, I, I've certainly recognized it, you know, in my mind, you know, underneath it yeah. all. Um, but yeah, this isn't a journey just back to earth to, to show him the wonders of the future. This is kind of like journey to the beginning of time. Let's go back to earth and I'll show you the wonders of, of, of a place of an exotic yeah. place and of the recent, you know, more recent past. And, uh, yeah, it, it, 
and let's do it in a way that, of course, is completely um, folklorish, fairy tale-ish, and and not true at all. This is not Turkey. <laughs> this is not the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> right. um, it's uh, it, it's taking the the tropes and and having fun with the exoticism. I don't know if it's offensive. Uh, you know, uh, maybe um, maybe it kind of would be. I don't know, but. Um, but it is it is still a lot of fun to to go back and and have this story of palace intrigue um where there's a uh, a fight over over a, a woman you know this this story in in this set probably has the most uh emotional uh heft to to its characters and to their desires and to their their motives and such uh, invention from destruction has that for sure but i feel like it's more you know what you would expect that's not the point. It's just there for yeah. window dressing. And this one, um, I think that he is he is uh, digging a little bit deeper into the Moon Man and the and Baron Munchausen and their kind of uh, friendship and and rivalry at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Because there's this woman who's kind of a escapee from the Sultan's palace, uh, very beautiful, very elegant and refined kind of a princess type all almost um and and they help her escape and of course that's kind of what sets the whole plot in motion once they they get to the sultan's palace they they move on because the sultan does not receive them very well they take the girl with them the woman and 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 then this rivalry exists between munchausen the older man who is used to kind of running the show and using his gift of gab and and his, uh, you know, his range of experiences, his ingenuity, to you know, to always kind of win the day, and to you know, he's the man who always has a plan, uh, and and uh, he prevails. And yet, here's this young upstart, this Moon Man, uh, who's certainly a more appropriate match for the woman. They're both the same age, and and you know, all of that. Uh, Munchausen, you know, still feels like he wants to prevail in this little contest. Well, and, I mean, yeah, he's, he's the fabulous Baron yeah. Munchausen. He well, you're right. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's nobody on earth quite like him. And so, you know, there is there is that little sort of generational thing where he's recognizing, in a sense, perhaps that his time is passing, but he's not going to go gently into that good night or yield uh, his advantage to the younger set quite quite at this time so yeah those the, that's that's another element of it there but this this story feels very whimsical very almost random i mean obviously when you've got a film that is as um precisely constructed as this one and and all of the scenes are thought out in advance there's not you know there's no uh improv or spontaneity in this type of a film uh but it still feels like the plot is just all over the place i mean it it, it almost is difficult for me especially without having it on my screen right at the moment to retrace all of the stages of to get from here to there to the final conclusion but that's okay you don't really have to you know follow the the narrative in any kind of a linear sense or to say what is the story trying to prove it's it, it is it's 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 a cavalcade of images and impressions uh, visual delights as well as again the the wit and the uh you just just the 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 joy and the um fresh liveliness of of the imagination unleashed here that that's that's really the the fun that's to be had with this film and and at the beginning he explicitly credits the uh the artwork of Gustave Dory as as an inspiration for the film 
and uh, Dore, you know, very famous. Uh, he, he did drawings of, you know, the um, Dante's Inferno that I, I have that, you know, I have a big book I've had yeah. for decades of, you know, here's Dore's drawings of the of the Inferno. He did drawings from Paradise Lost. He did drawings from the Bible. And they are these are large scale like epic divine um drawings often with gigantic angels and you know rays of light coming from the sky through the clouds or trees you know you've got these monsters you've got uh, dragons and you've got moons up in the sky that take up the whole sky with boats floating down rivers um you know you've got these these celestial scenes of uh, you know, a, a kind of a circle of angels circling over people with bright lights. And I mean, it, Dory is, is very much, um, you know, kind of this, I, I guess I, I would say religious, uh, mythological, uh, art. And here in the fabulous Baron Munchausen, you see kind of that scale, but brought into something that's, that's not, not religious in that sense, you know, I mean, this right. is, this is more like, I'm going to take these visions of angels and instead make them flying horses carrying, you know, ships that, that, that look like Dore's ships, but they, these are flying from the earth or from the moon to the earth, you know, backwards. Um, I'm going to, to take this sense of, uh, of these, these images, um, and the, these, these drawings and these multiple figures, and uh, make almost a collage, you know, of of them. In fact, this is this is this is random in so many ways. Uh, this is where you're kind of like, oh, this is where Terry Gilliam started his, you know, random drawings. <laughs> random yeah, that that absurd. You did, yeah, yeah. You did you didn't didn't see that coming, you know, like whoa, just kind of out of left field. But the juxtaposition mm-hmm. of these kind of clashing ideas. Of, the, of high elegance mm-hmm. and and grandiosity with kind of buffoonish silliness. Ah, oh, <laughs> you said it perfectly. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's exactly what I was feeling, but couldn't uh, couldn't say. <laughs> it, it is. It's yeah. taking this divine, you know, uh, Dore esque art and applying it in in you know maybe not going quite so far as Gilliam, where he's got you know the the butts coming out and playing the the big trumpets right. you know heralding you know big news from the <laughs> yeah, sky yeah. um but the it's squashing foot and <laughs> right, all of that right. but here we are you know this is this is the, a step in that direction uh, for fun still very much family entertainment i would say i mean yes there are some the drawings of uh, nude women but they're not lascivious they're not um no. uh, i don't they're, think they're they're winky is about it. I mean, yeah. yeah, Dore has this kind of sense of definitiveness. I mean, they're almost like altarpieces, uh, uh, images that are of such sublime quality, and they just have that sort of eternal authoritative aspect yeah. to them. You, you yeah. can see them and, on and, the altarpiece of God, you know, like this is uh, Oh, yeah, <laughs> like this, this is how it is. You know, this is how the supernatural realm actually looks you know and and dore somehow taps into that uh he he just has that kind of magisterial um ability to to capture those images and um the way they're promulgated throughout our culture and through our our history they they just feel like masterworks like leonardo da vinci or so, or shakespeare in the literary sense like this is the canon right here um and and so you take that same kind of style even with some of its 
pomposity or or grandeur and you you just twist it in this kind of mildly subversive absurd way and ah that's a pretty delightful effect <laughs> you're, you're kind of taking all this this kind of high stuffy art um with all of its uh, seriousness and uh, just inverting it just a little bit and and making it into something kind of fun and and absurd uh, that's that's the trick right there yeah and i think that's a great kind of place to to cap my thoughts on the the fabulous Baron Munchausen. It's sure, I mean there are definitely delights. scenes that are, yeah. are are full of you know. I mean, I, I love the kind of the inside the whale scenes. Again, another mm-hmm. sort of biblical allusion if you want to talk about Jonah and all of that. But uh, just you know the you know, just the just the whimsy and and the kind of slightly craziness of it. I, this is the one. Um, well, actually, both Invention for Destruction and. Baron Munchausen you know, certainly brought Wes Anderson to mind. I mean, that's another huge, uh, you know, kind of offshoot uh, that uh, you know Wes Anderson was was clearly influenced, especially in things like The Life Aquatic or even Grand Budapest Hotel. Some of the you know stop motion stuff that he kind of drops into some of his films from time to time shows uh, you know his his own fascination with this kind of uh, window box diorama type of treatment. Uh, that Zeman, you know, made entire films out of. Uh, Wes Anderson kind of throws these bits in as little accents, a little, you know, little uh, visual flair. Um, but you know, th- th- those uh, those shots of you know, sea creatures flitting around, and and uh, even just the way they present themselves to the camera and to the viewer, uh, it's just like, oh yeah, well, I can see where Wes got that, <laughs> you know. So uh, the you know the the kind of the ripple effects of 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 these films on, on so many other creative visionaries is, is another, you know, a really strong argument in their favor that, uh, you know, these are films that should be savored and, and appreciated by contemporary viewers just on their own terms. Yeah. And I hope that they're, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, that if anyone's on the fence that we've helped you recognize that we would go buy it, you know, we, we both have, uh, got the, oh, yeah. the set already, but if, if I, if I were at this Barnes and Noble sale without it, it would be one of my top picks um, to go out and pick up. So, or, or any I, any Barnes and Noble sale, you know, or, or Criterion sale, or just wherever you can get it to watch these films. Yeah, I think this. I mean, obviously, it's been a, a super strong year. We got the Fellini set, Agnes Varda, the World Cinema Project. I mean, we got some really big blockbuster editions. Um, and but but this is as, as if you just want you know pure joy and fun and and wonderful um bang for the buck <laughs> this one has a lot to offer you know you, you, um, you're saying that over bruce lee <laughs> the bang well, for the buck well yeah well <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think you know again if this is if this type of movie is your jam uh, there's a lot to be enjoyed here i also want to point out that you know you've got beyond the supplemental features that we've already talked about uh, of the early zeman films um, you've got the American releases of of Invention for Destruction oh, and yes. uh, Journey to the Beginning of Time. Did you get a chance to check those out at all? Or no? uh, just just to put them on and see. I, I did actually watch, I think, the full one on Journey to the Beginning of Time. And then with Invention for Destruction, I was I just kind of skimmed through it. So, no, I, I didn't watch that one in, entirely. And well, to be honest with you, I don't remember 
big differences in Journey to the Beginning of Time. That's the one I actually showed my boys was the American one, just so that they didn't yeah. have to deal with the subtitles. Probably dumped me, well, I know. But, uh... <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I mean, it, it's, it is interesting, actually, because in Journey to the Beginning of Time, they actually throw that little kind of um, coda section on at the end where they quote the book of Genesis, chapter one, the creation story. And, they, and, and it, so you can sort of look at it from a sort of a cultural, sociological perspective where yeah, obviously there was no need in the original Czech version to bring in kind of biblical allusions or, or, or really get into any of that. But the American version, you know, I, I can understand maybe at the time, which might have been late 50s, early 60s when this was created, that, you know, dealing with, you know, ancient life and evolution and all of that, well, they're going to kind of round it out and, and put a little, you know, you know biblical um, uh, you know, kind of quotation at the end just to kind of uh, address any concerns <laughs> that might be raised by the <laughs> the the ideas uh, being discussed here. So, and you know, and then with the the invention for destruction, you've got Hugh Downs, who's one of those kind of great American voices, kind of the the paternal uh, voice of authority, and and um, letting us know how it is. Uh, he does the introduction there, and and so you you just kind of see these little cultural adjustments that are being made. So in that sense, it's very interesting to have, um, you know, alternate versions of those two films. Um, you know, they're, they're, I, I would say, you know, the original is still the best. It's, that's obviously Zeman's vision, but it's kind of intriguing just to sort of see how they were uh, adapted and some of the, you know, more potentially provocative edges may have been rounded out uh, because, you know, and again, in America, you know, this is you know, invention for destruction could be seen as kind of a pacifist film or an anti-nuclear type of film or one that, uh, you know, cuts against the grain of um, you know, sort of a more America first or uh, huh. imperial type of were, uh, were militaristic we, approach, right? Were we the pirates who took the scientists and <laughs> unleashed destruction? Yeah, very well, recently, exactly. I mean, you know, in the history right. of this film, and the, yeah, and the fact that this came from quote unquote, you know, behind the Iron Curtain, uh, is this some kind of commie socialist propaganda here? What is going on? You know, I mean, I, you can sort of understand <laughs> nice, why some people nice. might might take. <laughs> I, I like your a impression bit of there. <laughs> distance there. <laughs> So yeah, so I, again, there's there's just a lot of really fascinating food for thought um, in this package. Even though we, I think we've already gone to great lengths to say this isn't the most, you know, intellectually, you know, profound, brilliant, uh, challenging material. Um, it, but it's not entirely without that quality either. Yeah, I think you, you know, don't have to turn it, your brain off, right? <laughs> it's not a philosophical. You know, in the way that you'd go to 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 a philosophy class, and you know, the themes, uh, you know, those themes, you know, in in big uh, big letters, are it's different, but it's it's still very. Uh, and maybe this is a good place to to get back into the supplements too. This is still a very intellectual film, just in the way that it's made, and we—I think we've touched on this yeah. quite heavily. But these supplements that go into how—and I, I like how they put it uh, on the back of the of the box—it's uh, got new programs with animation filmmaker John Stevenson and special effects artists Phil Tippett and Jim O'Pearl discussing director Carol Zeman and his complex visual trickery. Um, this is. This is a, 
a fascinating thing to watch and it touches a different part of the brain than you know a bergman film uh for sure Sure. um but it uh, which i have my bergman set sitting right here underneath the (laughs) i just put the the three fantastic journeys box on it so that's where that comes from you know couldn't be more different as far as where you get your your intellectual um prompting this one's really about the skill the art the skill the um the science that and creativity that goes into the filmmaking and those kinds of delights and not so much into you know a, a complex journey into the into the emotional traumatized mind you know and I, I i'm saying this as if i'm trying to to separate these two and and, and denigrate the former when you know bergman's uh, work means means so much to me that's not it at all but i i i definitely think it's different but um but can't be said to be just a, a passing, you know, fancy for a Saturday afternoon when you're taking a nap. You know, this stuff is still very engaging um, to the mind and to your, to my own sense of man. I want to go create something. I want to go and write, or I want to go. I want to go watch more movies and see how they're doing it. You know, see how these these creators um, put their work together. Yeah, and I, let me give a little plug to. Um... Uh, another supplemental feature here is a documentary called Film Adventurer, Carl Zeman, uh, from 2015. So it was actually made, you know, prior to the edition that we're looking at and talking about here. Uh, uh, Tim Burton is on it, Terry Gilliam, and a lot of other people um, whose names may not be as familiar, but who either worked with Zeman or profoundly influenced by him. And that might even be something I would recommend if you're really new to this or you just want to kind of prep yourself to fully appreciate these films right off the bat. Um, I didn't watch, watch that documentary until after I'd already watched all three of the films, but I, I really felt like that documentary is a perfect setup to really, you know, get you ready to, you know, appreciate and, 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 um, just kind of come to terms with what Zeman's doing here as far as his, his, his development as an artist, uh, and, and just recognizing some of the, the skill that, went into so much of the construction of these films and, and how that skill was developed over the course of many years. So you know, that's, you know, whether you make that the first thing you watch out of this box or, or what I'd say, get into it early on because it really does draw your attention to many of the um, things that might otherwise slide past you uh, if you're just kind of blindly dropping, dropping in on these films to, to see, you know, what this guy's all about. Well, and let's let's maybe talk a little bit about Criterion um, and what they've done here. You know, we, the yeah. inside, we talked about the box itself, and yeah, it's 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 wonderful. It's so much fun to open up. It's carefully done. You know, very creatively done. It in and of itself is a delight. You know that that again, I go and show my kids. Hey, look at this cool box I have. It has nothing to do with the films. You know, look at this cool box. Look at this artwork. Look at this little <laughs> fold-up um, article. By the yeah. way, if this is how you do your fold-outs um, articles, this is the way I would like them done from now on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, such yeah. a readable fold-out, um, uh, you know, uh, insert with the essay. Uh, but Curtis uh, Sui is the is the uh, producer of this box. And, man, the the, the attention that went into this to to do the die cut cover 
to even think about doing that and then to follow through and do it, you know, to do the yeah. pop out um, inserts, to do this little magazine uh, thing on the inside. Uh, it is it is wonderful. And then you get into the supplements and they've got their their really always interesting to me, always just make me kind of, you know, feel that that sense of, man, there's some beautiful work being done out there um, to kind of keep us in, engaged in this part of the mind, you know, in, in film and in that exploration and art. Um, but the, the restoration demonstrations where they, they go through and show what they did to present these films in, in the best quality that they could. And, it, you know, this is loving work here. This isn't something that was thrown together. They could have done that, you know, they could have just put together a little a box with with the three discs, the three movies. We all would have loved it. We still would have enjoyed it and bought it. But the attention here just goes to show that they recognize this is a product that part of the the joy here is getting to know an artist like Zeman and his own attention to detail, his own knack for saying, "You're not expecting this little little." Um, little thing. It's not necessary, but I'm going to throw it in there and you'll appreciate it. You know, this little detail. And that's very much how I felt about the, this box and, and how, how much fun it is to really dig in. And it's, it's one of these boxes where you can get in there, put in disc one, watch everything, put in disc two, watch everything, put in disc three, watch everything, uh, read everything. You know, there's, there's nothing here that feels, um, uh, unimportant or uninteresting to to the the bigger story of here's Carl Zeman, here are three of his fantastic journeys. Um, let's explore that guy and what he did and 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 be inspired by him. So uh, you know, really solid solid um, uh, box all around. Well, it feels like they really you know did a great job kind of comprehending what he's about and and really kind of raising a tribute to the artist. You know, this man who. In many ways, I mean, I guess, I guess he, you know, he was celebrated. He did win awards and and was, uh, you know, kind of well known. And and they, I think they even say, Invention for Destruction is probably the most commercially successful Czech film ever made, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, Czechoslovakia or oh, yeah. the Czech Republic now, as it's known, um, there's been a, a a ton of amazing films that have come from that region. And the fact that this also kind of parallels the Czech New Wave and and. Uh, you know, Zeman's career kind of went on from that. I mean, this these films that we're talking about today are from prior to the Czech New Wave, but it's it's, a, it's also a nice indication of sort of the the fertile ground that the Czech New Wave itself came from, and 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 Czech art. You know, uh, apparently puppetry and stop motion and animation are are um, skills that are very cherished within that that society within the artistic community within that society at the very least and uh you know you and i we talked about the czech new wave eclipse viewer set and and all of that you know we we really appreciated the, those films and and uh their sort of so sideways view of life and and just kind of that that unique perspective uh it's kind of nice to go a little bit further back into uh the roots of Czech cinema and see what was going on uh, with Karl Zeman and even kind of the surrounding film culture that he came out of as well. So yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of angles of approach here and uh, you're, you're right. They, they really knocked it out by creating a, 
a very unique edition. As I've already said, it's it's a limited edition, so there probably will come a day when you won't get the the same die cuts and maybe the pop-ups will go away and it'll just be, you know, a plastic case with the wonderful films included, but uh why not get in on the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um also those those museum clips. Um there is a Carl Zeman museum in the Czech Republic that uh, you know, Someday, when we're allowed to travel again, <laughs> maybe we can go check it out. I know Aaron West, yeah. uh, who was, you know, we we looked at maybe even having him join us. Uh, he had plans to actually go to Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic this this year, and then COVID kind of scra- scratched all of that. But uh, these these are short films that are on display in the museum itself. So if you can't get there, you can at least have a bit of that experience with uh, these little, uh, they're usually like three to five minute clips that just kind of focus on an aspect, either of the film being discussed or uh, Zeman's process. So those are really nice uh, little goodies to throw into the mix as well. So no shortage of, of fun stuff to be enjoyed in this package. Yeah, unfortunately for, for Aaron, not a pure substitute for going to, to the museum no. itself. But I do remember him saying, you know, he was planning on going to the Zeman Museum and that he had fun still digging into the set and watching those pieces and, you know, maybe imagining what what could have been, but but still appreciating what what he had in front of him. So, Aaron, you didn't have to join. I just, you know, that I just said it for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, that museum must be a delight. I mean, if they've got a lot of those original props or, or some of the, the matte paintings and other kind of set elements, uh, what, what, what fun that would be to actually see those objects if they've been well-preserved. I imagine if they're making a museum, they've got some, some good stuff there. Yep. And, and a worthy, you know, this is, uh, when we began, I kind of said that it, the, uh, journey to the beginning of time, it feels like a museum. I adore going to museums still, you know, I, even w- when my kids were younger, the two oldest ones, you know, when, when, when they were very little, we lived in New Jersey and we had, um, just a little museum nearby and there was a room you'd go in and sit like on a front porch and the 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 lights would go off and it started to feel like you're outside and it would talk about the sounds of nature and all of that so and i just loved the peace that comes from from sitting in that kind of environment and having people who are curating it and because they're passionate they love this kind of stuff you know they're excited to present it and present it in a in a fun way um it it's it's inspiring you know again you leave those places at least i do um, just really rejuvenated, and in many ways, that's how Zeman feels to me. And, and a museum of his stuff, yeah, I, I didn't know it existed because, like you, I didn't really know who he was until the you know Baron Munchausen showed up on Filmstruck, and even then, you know, okay, there's this guy and who made this movie, um, but now I'm so much more interested in him and in the art that he did, and I would love to see go into a museum uh, of this and just be be inspired in new ways by seeing the actual objects and, and having people again, who are passionate about it, who said, we need a museum for this guy, <laughs> uh, kind of walk me through some of it. So yeah, I, I'm with yeah. you. I'll, I'll go on that field trip. Sign me up. <laughs> well, we kind of have a museum in a box right here. That's true. We? That's true. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, David it is very nice again to, to chat with you. It, it's been a very pleasant Oh, an hour and a half um, that we've been going, and I appreciate it as always. Uh, regardless of the kinds of films we're talking about, 
you know, from Bergman to the Czech New Wave to these Carl Zeman uh, films um, to all the various other ones, it, it is always uh, my pleasure to, to get with you. And I, I appreciate your time again this morning. It's always it is always a, a real treat, Trevor. I think we just pick it up and keep the conversation flowing. <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been a good time as well. I, I maybe I'll just throw one last little observation, oh, yeah, yeah. which is the, the music of these films, is especially the the, the latter two. They really mm-hmm. have wonderful soundtracks. I mean, they're they're mono tracks. There's nothing particularly fancy as far as the, you know. 5.1 or anything like that but it it's really that's makes it a very much a multimedia experience as well so this is one where you can kind of turn up the sound and kind of have some fun with it yeah. if the environment allows so that's one last little piece that i want to sort of endorse in my observations here but yeah for sure this has been a great conversation and uh look forward to keep doing these inside the box things well let me follow up we're not ending yet visit or listen. okay <laughs> um I, I should have thought about the music because this morning i woke up at about five thirty. And I couldn't get back to sleep. And I didn't, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll go review some of the films. And rather than do that, I actually put um, on uh, the fabulous Baron Munchausen for its music. Um, and yeah, came and sat yeah. in a dark room and kind of just enjoyed the music. I wasn't watching the, the, the film. <laughs> you know, it was All right. it was yeah. just, uh, just for that, that music that begins at the beginning and kind of walks through uh, while I was doing and thinking of other things. And, and um in, in a way preparing for our conversation, but also uh, just trying to, to, uh, you know, wake up and, and uh, approach a new day. So, so yeah, the, the, and, and a lot of it is the music, you know, there's not a ton of talking. This is oh, much more yeah, like a silent a, film in a way, you know, yeah, right. these are actors yeah, running around on a, on a, um, on a set and doing crazy things. And uh, yeah, long, 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 long stretches with uh, where it's action and, and music is all. And no dialogue, right? The, the the visuals really do tell the story. Another another you know kind of brilliant achievement on Zeman's part. You know, show don't tell, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, okay. Well, now I think we really are done, and and we have some ideas so, for yeah. for what we're going to do next. You know, we're kind of doing these seasonally. Um, are 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 we really thinking of a dark night of the soul for winter twenty twenty one? Is that uh, maybe we should rethink <laughs> this? But um, but we, we well, will let people know when we're closer what we're what we settle in on. But we've got some good we've ideas. Got some in, <laughs> internal debating. Yeah, we'll probably it probably won't be till after the new year. We've got our year end episodes on Criterion Cast coming up. I'm uh, in the process of finishing up uh, season three of Criterion Reflections. So. Those will be my priorities, but I'm definitely glad that we got this one back on track, mm-hmm. and we'll be back in uh, early 2021 uh, with uh, episode four. And what else do you have coming up over, you know, in this season? You're well, finishing up a, well, a season in Criterion Reflections. What are some of the yeah, films you're looking forward to that are on your horizon? Well, you know, 1972 would be season four of Criterion Reflections, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a great lineup there. But I'm I'm actually contemplating different ways of of shuffling the deck a little bit here. Uh, no, nothing uh. drastic, but uh, if you want to look at the the uh, itinerary, we've got Zadowichi at large is right now the first film of '72. Uh, we've got the new land, uh, which is the mm-hmm. follow-up to uh, uh, the immigrants uh, by Jean Troll. And uh, are you going to be part of that one? I don't see your name on the list right now, but I think I th- we kind of want to get you out. That I, I, I actually thought that I was. We did the we did the first part, yeah. yeah. And 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 I feel like yeah, we'll we'll get you on there. 
we've got some Les Blank films. We've got uh, a Godzilla film coming up, Fellini's Roma. There's some interesting stuff for sure. I mean, 72 is a, is a great year and uh, in film, and, and I, I really just enjoy that era. But I'm going to maybe look at some ways to kind of keep uh, – the pace up a little bit maybe maybe go back to even doing just some blogging about films rather than having to put a whole podcast together so those are just ideas i'm kicking around um but yeah i'm I'm looking forward to the year-end episodes uh uh, for criterion cast kind of our best of uh we probably won't have a wacky drawing this year it seems like they've kind of set that aside which is appropriate and understandable um but yeah i think just kind of looking at the 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 end of the year of course you know you and i were with aaron on criterion now a few weeks ago yeah i did an episode with josh hornbeck so i talked about a few horror films from 1971 kind of the october slate there so you know i'm out there um it's going to take me a little while to get the the last few films covered for my season three short film compendium episode but you know give it time i'm a patient man i'm just kind of enjoying <laughs> the process uh as it ambles along <laughs> well it's always it's, it's always nice whatever wherever you take us david and however you get us there i think a lot of us are on for the ride so <laughs> appreciate, appreciate that thanks all right well thank you david and thank you listeners we will see you in the new year